X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Jeff Smith from Portland, Oregon. It is Monday, July 27th. Today, back in the day, July 27th, 1891, the city of Albina was annexed by the city of Portland, which at the time existed only on the west side of the river. By the late 1880s, Albina, which was located across the Lamb River from Portland, was the fastest growing city in Oregon. East Portland or Northeast Portland, which is south of Albina, was also annexed, and Portland grew to more than 26 square miles. Much of the city's residential population began shifting to east of the river. The original Albina Platte, which is now entirely inside the present Elliott neighborhood, was generally bounded by the Willamette River to the west, Hancock Street to the south, and Northeast 7th to the east. After 1910, in the middle of a building boom, African-Americans who had been crowded into the lower section of northwest Portland began to trickle into the lower Albina area along North Russell Street, west of Williams, and also along North Broadway near today's Memorial Coliseum and the Rose Quarter. In the 1960s, the Interstate 5 freeway construction cut a big swath through the Elliott, Boise, and Humboldt neighborhoods, displacing lots of residents and local businesses. In 1969, the Model Cities program was implemented in an effort to revitalize the area. It had limited success, and then by the 1970s, the Elliott neighborhood took another blow when the Emanuel Hospital urban renewal expansions created worse economic blight in the area. So there's a little bit of your history of North and Northeast Portland. And today, back in the day, July 27, 1974, the House Judiciary Committee voted 27 to 11, recommending the impeachment of Richard Nixon. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Today's a good day to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Share it with friends. Thank you to those listeners and those who rate and review. Five stars. Five stars. We'll start with your quick six. Mike Seelig from Partner Station KXRW has an interview with history professor from Olympia during the Saturday night protest in downtown Portland. And then an interview with local protester Athena. And I said, I want to be naked. I want to confront them. Morgan Jones and Can Jones of the Unrefined Sophisticates podcast conduct that interview. X-ray. First up, it is today's quick six local rundown. Night 58, Portland authorities declared Sunday evening's protest a riot after the federal courthouse fence was breached. At the start of the evening, thousands of Black Lives Matter protesters gathered peacefully in downtown Portland near the courthouse. A second group of protesters gathered at Alberta Park in northeast Portland began marching towards downtown around 9 p.m. At the height of the night's protest, it was estimated that 5,000 protesters were gathered at the courthouse. And then by nightfall, things started getting heated. At 10.20, people began tampering with the fence. At 10.30, the wall of moms lined up at the front of the fence with the wall of vets behind them. One of the protesters attempted to cut through the fence using an angle grinder, while other protesters began throwing fireworks over the fence. Videos also depict protesters with makeshift shields bashing into the fence while the Imperial March Darth Vader theme played over loudspeakers. Around 11.22 p.m., protesters began throwing larger fireworks, igniting a fire. Police responded with a stream of pepper spray. Protesters breached a fence just after 1 a.m., continued to send fireworks against the building, and police tweeted at 1.19 a.m., the violent conduct of people downtown is creating grave risk of public harm. Portland police have declared a riot on Southwest 3rd Avenue. By 1.40 a.m., Portland police and federal officers entered the streets to clear the area and made multiple arrests. Riot Ribs is going to transfer their leadership and ownership to Don't Shoot Portland. According to local journalist Tuck Woodstock, who also happens to host the Gender Reveal podcast at X-Ray, Riot Ribs is shifting leadership over to Don't Shoot Portland and expanding their work to include two food trucks. 
Riot Ribs has been serving free food 24-7 to thousands of protesters and visitors since July 4th. Friday night, when I went down there, I went to the Riot Ribs, tried to make a donation, and they said, well, we don't need any more money. We have too much money. They told newspaper that $300,000 is more money than they need, and so they're trying to use that money to support other organizations. To continue their mission of mutual aid, they saw a need for their work in other cities. So they're hitting the road to other cities. They're seeing federal agents descending into protests. Locally, the work will continue through the leadership of Don't Shoot Portland. The Portland group intends to coordinate with local protest groups, including the Wall of Moms, Dads, Parents, and Vets, to recruit new volunteers to the Lounsdale Square location. Their mission, Eat Till You're Full, continues. Tensions rose between state officials and Oregon officials live during telephone interviews on Saturday. The interviews included the U.S. Attorney for Oregon, Billy Williams, Assistant U.S. Attorney, Craig Gabriel, among others. Williams defended the presence of federal authorities in Portland, calling the city council's move to bar Portland police cooperation with federal authorities, quote, nonsensical political theater. Harry Phones, a spokesperson of the Federal Homeland Security Department, referred to the protests as rioters and violent anarchists. The U.S. Marshal Russell Berger stated that the marshals, armed with flashbang grenades, rubber bullets, tear gas, pepper spray, and pepper balls, have been instructed to remain in a defensive posture, unless protesters try to knock down the fence, break in, or set fire to the courthouse. Since early July, 60 people have been arrested or detained in connection with the Black Lives Matter protests, and of those, 46 face federal charges. And the Joint Committee on Transparent Policing and Use of Force Reform, that's the special committee in the legislature, has released some drafts of some new bills. The bills would only impact state and local law enforcement, not the federal officers. The legislative concepts include a bill that would ban law enforcement from using tear gas or similar chemical incapacitants. Another proposal right now embedded in that same bill would ban crowd control officers from using force against journalists, legal observers, medical personnel, and people who are homeless. Legislative Concept 743 would require police to wear a white or light blue shirt and navy blue pants. The all-black or navy blue clothing would be prohibited except for specialized duties like SWAT teams. And that LC743 would also require uniforms to display, and I'm quoting the police officer's last name, badge number or other identifying number, and either the word police or law enforcement. Legislative Concept 745 would remove the exemption around chokeholds and ban the use of chokeholds. Another proposal would create authority for the Bureau of Labor and Industries to investigate instances of misconduct. Senator James Manning of Eugene, a co-chair of that committee, said he hadn't supported compromises to the new chokehold law legislators passed in June. This time, and here's a quote, I'm firm. No changes, outright ban. He also said this, I don't believe police officers need to look like soldiers. Attorney Alan Kessler called the proposals a breath of non-spicy air. Oregon schools have begun releasing tentative plans for the fall. State officials have announced that school districts must be able to offer their students reliable learning opportunities. Tentative plans may be offered as all online, fully in person, or a hybrid of the two. A full-time physical return has proven to be an unpopular option for most districts. The state's largest districts have a tentative plan which would split classes in half. They would offer online learning and in-person school attendance at alternating times. Additionally, state education officials are requiring that children in kindergarten and up got to wear a mask. They're also required to limit contact to no more than 100 students or adults throughout the school week. The legendary children's entertainer Rafi Kavukian has written a song about the Wall of Moms. He's the singer of Baby Beluga, a longtime activist. Rafi dropped a new track on Twitter Saturday night to celebrate the Black Lives Matter movement and Portland's Wall of Moms. 
song is entitled Portland Moms. Ravi tweeted the idea for the song Hennep at 3 a.m. Acting quickly, he recorded pretty much immediately and was assisted by singer Lindsay Monroe and Dobro player Ivan Rosenberg. You want to hear it? Well, here's the song. Portland Moms, won't you come out tonight? Come out tonight, come out tonight. Portland Moms, won't you come out tonight by the light of the silvery moon? And another piece of news, according to Tuck Woodstock, the Wall of Moms is also transferring their leadership to Don't Shoot PDX. This is part of a reminder for the protest to be centered around black lives and not just white Portland spectacle. Parent block protesters are encouraged to look for guidance and instruction from Dimitri and Danielle of Don't Shoot Portland. And thanks for the coverage, Tuck. That's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Mike Selig from Partner Station KXRW has an interview with a history professor from Olympia during the Saturday night protest in downtown Portland. The conversation puts a historical context on recent protests. Are we falling into fascism? Here are Mike and Jeff from the streets of Portland. This is Mike Seelig with KXRW Radio in Vancouver. I went to downtown Portland to cover the protests at the federal courthouse. The first person I struck a conversation up with happened to be a history professor from Olympia. His name was Jeff. Jeff, where are you from and why are you here? I'm from Olympia, Washington, and I'm here to just make my presence known in opposition to rising fascism in America. Sometimes it's hard to understand what what is happening in a historic context because we're right in the middle of it. What's your perception of what's happening and what may happen? Uh, so I, I've always, early in my career, joked a lot that we're kind of naturally fascist as people, the Americans, because of our commitment to abundance and consumption and sort of this unthinking American exceptionalism. But I never actually really thought it was true until the last th two to three years. And I see us following a very similar track to uh, Germany in the 1920s and 30s. And, uh, and it wouldn't take much for to push us right over into absolute chaos. And this is, of course, what Trump's trying to create. He wants to incite chaos and violence in the streets that'll build support for him. And Americans don't think historically, so we do not think it can happen here, but we are as close to fascism as any point in American history. So we have a president who is uniquely qualified to become a tyrant in a lot of people's opinions. What's your opinion of what has happened with justice on a federal level? I just think it's completely derailed. There's just no commitment from the government right now. The Republican Party in particular is is not willing to enforce the Constitution. And I'm also a veteran. I took an oath to, you know, defend and uh, the Constitution against enemies domestic and foreign. And there's, there's no effort being made to uh, enforce, you know, uh, protections for civilians, for black lives that are just personally murdered by the police. It's, it's as if we just chosen to not care as a country. And I'm happy to see how many people here are protesting, but by and large, there's too many people who aren't and don't care. The people that are protesting down here are portrayed as anarchists. What is your opinion? Are they anarchists or patriots in the strongest sense? Well, it's a complicated question and answer. Uh, protest and rebellion is sort of the lifeblood of democracy, there's no question. And, you know, what you see in all these protests is a mixed group from progressive liberals that have 
believed in incremental change that have said enough and they're showing up and to very young people that have never believed in this system who are just furious but th there's got to be a way to sort of bring the violence in these cities under control right because it's going to create an opening it's going to create an opportunity for republicans it's not just trump it's republican to take advantage of this to further destroy the constitution Tell me what you know about agent provocateurs and their role in the past. Well, it's always been an issue. I've been sitting here on this bench watching and trying to figure out who might be the infiltrators. Uh, I was one of the people that occupied the federal building courthouse uh, square in Seattle. And we had a group kind of infiltrate there and started throwing things at police. And that almost turned into police shutting us down. But th this has always been part of protests in American history is this infiltration by the police forces into labor unions, for example, like Pinkerton's in the late 19th century and the mining wars. And there's simply no doubt that this would be happening here as well. It's just, you'd be a fool to think otherwise. Thank you so much for uh, your time. I wish you uh, a safe passage through Portland and uh, you're part of history. <laughs> well, thank you. And I appreciate your being down here to cover this story. Whether it's agent provocateurs or a few hot-headed protesters, it's imperative that the violence and property destruction of a few misguided people have got to stop. It is all Trump has needed at this point to send federal stormtroopers into our city. And it may be all Trump and his corrupt attorney general need to take even more extreme measures, just before the election. This is Mike Sealing for KXRW Radio in Vancouver and X-Ray FM in Portland. Morgan Jones and Can Jones of the Unrefined Sophisticates podcast. Join us now with an interview from local protester Athena. By now, you have probably happened upon the photo of a nude protester named Athena in the local and national coverage of local protests. Thanks to partner station, The Numbers, here is her first media interview. She shares confronting the line of police and what her family thinks of her protests. Here are Morgan, Can, and Athena. How did that feel? How did that feel in the moment, uh, in that confrontation? I mean, I, there are people that aren't confrontational, right? And so the idea of someone confronting cops or mm. federal cops is like mind blowing on its own. And then you add to it that you came with your entire self, mm. just mm. fully there to confront. Mm. Like, what did that feel like? I mean, really calm and terrifying at the same time. Wow. It's like being in like the eye of a storm, you know, mm. like when I enter certain moments in my life, like when I was young I experienced a moment like that for the first time and my mom told me it was God mm. and I and I explored that with her you know like I I gave up religion at the age of 12 and I uh, was a <laughs> very emotional person uh, very like went from like being like why God why to like mm. God doesn't exist and he, <laughs> and you know and and now i've reached this point where like you know god is 
God is all of us, like, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. every last one of us. And um, Jesus was black and God was probably a black woman. Write you know? <laughs> 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 it all down. <laughs> and, and like Christianity is like plagiarism and it's, a, you know, Ooh. but you know. Um, <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, and so, yeah, I was very, I was, it was terrifying and, and, and very calm at the same time. I, I, uh, from, after I moved to Portland, I've decided, I think the cops here are, um, and, mm. uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I've, I, uh, from the whole time I've lived here, I've not been intimidated by them. Mm. That's a little different now. Um, <laughs> but they might have changed my perspective yeah, a little bit. Now that they've come out of their clan meetings, you know, like right? and like come out into the streets, like maybe that's not that's leaving the Marriott in their enterprise. Yeah, cars. whatever. Oh. Yeah, right. Like they're yeah they're like you know. Um, but I mean, I I have like confronted and back talked to the police in this city. Um, you know, people have been, people have like tried to get me not to and been like, you know, I've had cops literally say to me, are you being smart right now? And I said, do you have a problem with that? And then they're like, excuse me? And I'm like, yeah, can I go? And they're mm. like, no, I'm talking to you. And I'm like, okay, cool, arrest me then, mm. right now, let's go. You know, and my friends, all my white friends, you know, stand around being like, oh, my God, oh, my God, don't say that. Don't say that to the cops. Don't say that to the cops. And I'm like, I've been arrested before. Like, <laughs> he doesn't scare me. Like, let's go, you know, right. and and um, and they back down, you know, mm. they back down in the city mm. um, that, that, that experience they did, you know. Um, yeah, I, I had reached a place with where I just didn't fear the cops anymore. Mm. Um, and that's a place of privilege, right? Absolutely. Like that's an, mm -hmm. a, I can't, you saying that I, yeah. I'm mm -hmm. like, I can't even imagine, uh, <laughs> right. having that conversation, yeah. uh, <clears throat> as an, like I, I, I've had those moments when I was younger and quickly realized those weren't conversations I got to right. have. So I <laughs> like as an adult, can't even imagine being like, can I go? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I like everyone tells you to say that, but right. in reality, in practice, they don't like it. They're trained. Oh, no. They're going to say Absolutely. that. <laughs> they hate that shit in practice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to question my authority? Yeah. Who? And you're a woman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. Not today, you're not. Mm -hmm. You know, like, mm -hmm. oh. Um, but yeah, and then, and then really calm at the same time, you know, yeah. I felt really calm in that moment um, because I felt like I was. I was following, I was following my nature. Mm. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to plan or think something through. I wasn't trying to be logical. Right. You know, I was just following my impulse to be who I am. And, that, yeah. and in the moment of your, okay, I want to confront them here's the best way for me to do it. Was it efficiency? Like, was it, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to yeah. lay my body on the line. What, what was the, or was there no thought? Was it just, I'm, I'm doing this now, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, there wasn't, definitely it wasn't planning and there wasn't a lot of thought that went into it. Mm. Um, there, there, um, uh, there was, 
what felt like to me a very deep uh, feminine place in myself that felt provoked. Mm. Um, and you know, I'm a person who I'm, I am notoriously naked. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, I just have been that way for several years now, you know, and, um, I'm, there's almost not anywhere that you can't find me naked that I, that I think would be inappropriate to be naked. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's not legal in my home state. You know, mm. I've been, I have been harassed by the police. I have been threatened by the police, you know, uh, intimidated by the cops. Yeah. Just for, just for being topless and not even exposing myself to anyone, you know? Wow. Like, mm. <laughs> um, Gotta police those women's bodies. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Powerful energy. Right. Yeah. And you know, in places where they're like for the, the legal definition of a woman's breast being covered is from the top of her areola to the bottom of her breast cup, you know? Oh, cool. <laughs> you know? Um, like, whose rule and why? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm naked all the time, basically, short of that. Um, and I'm a sex worker. And um, my nakedness is political. And it is, um, it is my expression. Mm. Um, that being said, uh, in that moment, I was really provoked. This really feminine place in myself felt provoked, um, and fired up because, um, they were all the federal officers and cops. I looked at them and they, they stand there with this stance, right? Feet planted, Mm -hmm. you know, shoulder width apart, arms at their sides, chests up head high mm. and it's a warrior stance and <clears throat> with all the gear too exactly <laughs> i think that it's a co-opted stance yes. and i think that it's you know it's not earned mm. like they make themselves impenetrable they have impunity they are anonymous they mm. hide their identities and they get to stand there and act like they're warriors mm. because they're not mm. you know like warriors in his, I mean, you know, in historical context, there's there's been warriors who had almost no clothing on, no shoes, right? You know, loincloths. Like you know, the indigenous peoples where my mom grew up. Like that's the stance that they that they stand in. Yeah. Um. You know, and and they there's cultural context, and they earned it. Mm-hmm. They earn it through the respect of their families and their their community yeah you know and it can be taken away because you're not impenetrable you know so you're accountable for your actions and i i i i i just i saw them standing there like that and i just this fury arose in me and i looked at my partner and the the other friend that was with us who was one of the the two people i hadn't gotten separated from in the in the dispersal Mm -hmm. And I and I said, I want to be naked. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I want to confront them. Mm. And my partner said, I'll hold your clothes. Hey, there's a partner. <laughs> yeah, shout out to your partner. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I, you know, ducked in a doorway and took everything off, except for my mask and my hat. <laughs> Because it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for wearing your mask. <laughs> and um, 
and I walked out there, you know. Um, yeah. Sounds like maybe mom is somewhat okay with it, but coming from an immigrant family, like, mm-hmm. is there a major cost to the statement mm-hmm. that you made? Is there, uh, you know, with like my family, the, you, with your family? Do is. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I am um, in my 30s and I've yet to bear them children, so I think I, they've already written me off Stop. as a spinstress <laughs> and an old maid. Those cats. Um, yeah, my reputation probably isn't great with my family. Uh, gotcha. That's not that there isn't love there. Sure. They just, uh, you know, they just, uh, I'm not. I'm not of the branch of the cousins that went to university and, right. you know, got a, got into a career. As my grandma would say, uh, we had different expectations for you. Uh, yes. huh. That's yeah. the way she would say it to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or, or different my, expectations. Right? Mm. <laughs> or why would you want to make that harder for yourself? Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's wild. Look at all the things I did so that you wouldn't have to make it hard for yourself. Uh, wow. <laughs> But I mean, in the context of it being, you know, an immigrant family, man, I mean, you know, my family, you know, just a generation or two back, like, you know, escaped their country of origin. And, um, and my mom was raised, you know, um, overseas I was born overseas um, and my family did well where they where they where they settled establishing themselves um, my mom grew up in a place though where specifically her race being where she was you didn't belong to that country and you could no longer claim your heritage you know mm-hmm. mm. Wow like like She's your country displaced yeah yeah between two places you know right um not really belonging anywhere um and um most of my family immigrated to canada what's up canada um, <laughs> oh so there's the toronto yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and my mom did not immigrate to the united states for the opportunity she immigrated to the united states because of marrying my father uh-huh um, and so, you know, it's like, yeah, I have family that came here for opportunity and, you know, they like, it's been, a, it's always been a priority it's in Canada, my Canadian family, it's always been a priority for them to, you know, get their kids into education. It doesn't always work. We're, we're rebels, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. we're hard headed family. Um, we got some crazy energy in our blood, you know, um, <laughs> um, and, uh, but, um, but for my mom, you know, she came to this country and, and, um, she was incredibly oppressed by my father and he was an incredibly reckless human. Mm. And, um, I grew up in poverty, you know, most of my life. Um, so, I don't know, you know, like having grown up in that, it's not like, it's not like I had built up a 
reputation to lose. Mm. You know, like I didn't have some reputation. And my mom, you know, that was the other thing that she said was, well, how are you ever going to get a job again? You know? And I'm like, well, <laughs> how was I ever going to get a job anyways, mom? Right. Like, you know, by the way, I have a job. It's, you know, a job of my own creation. And mm-hmm. I do great, just fine, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> creative. Um, but, but, you know, and also I was like, mom, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm still an anonymous person. I'm not going to come out and put my own identity on this thing because I think that further detracts from the movement. Right. Mm. Yes. Thanks to Mike, Jeff, Morgan, Ken, and Athena for joining The Local, and thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown, in about 30 minutes. Thanks for subscribing and giving your five-star review, and thank you, Democracy. Talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.